Hey guys, how's it going? Are you good? Awesome. Let's ex- I'm very excited to get to, to share with you all a little bit. Just got to introduce my wife and my family, Karen. My three kids, Karis, Christian, and Luke are all at the front row. We usually sit kind of toward the back so you probably don't see them because we live way up north, uh, just south of the Canadian line in Leander. And uh, not as far as those guys. They live a long ways. They, they do live in Canada, I believe. But excited to have them up here with me. And, um, and I've done a lot of things in the three and a half years I've been at One Chapel. I've been on setup team. I've been on breakdown team. I've been on the greeters. Uh, most recently, I'm involved in uh, small groups and also in Catalyst as well. So I've done a little bit, bit of everything. Um, and, but I will say I do have a day job, and my day job during the week is I'm a school photographer. So what that means is that hundreds, well, maybe actually even thousands of kids all over Central Texas would see me and they'd say, hey, it's Picture Man. That's what they know me as, okay? And it's really adorable. It's really cute. I have a new respect for teachers because they get these children all day. I get them for 10 seconds, and then I send them on their way, <laughs> okay? It's really, really awesome. And uh, I do hear some of the funniest things that are, that are told to me. And I had one little second grader that came up to me, and he goes, he goes, hey, are you that dude from the movie Ghostbusters? <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought, now, wait a minute. The last Ghostbusters movie, it was ladies, right, that were the Ghostbusters. And I'm thinking, and I thought, wait a minute, there is one guy in that movie, and it's this guy, the guy that plays Thor, right? And I thought, this guy thinks I look like Thor. And I got so excited, and I just about answered him, why, yes, I am. But then I thought, wait a minute. He's not talking about reboot Ghostbusters. He's talking about old Ghostbusters. He thinks I look like this guy right here. (laughs) In my heart, I'm going to go with Thor. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying right there. How many know that the first take on something is not always the accurate take? It's not always the right thing. And this is Group Sunday. I don't know what you think about groups. I don't know if you love them. I don't know if you hate them. I can tell you this much right here. A couple weeks ago when you came in here and we had all the tables set up and we had you guys kind of sitting facing each other, you guys freaked out. I mean, I saw it. I felt it out there. You guys looked at me and go, what's going on? What's going on? Okay, I don't know. I don't know what your take is on groups. If you've been in one, I know that you love them. But I would hope today to maybe kind of go a little bit deeper and maybe give you a second take, maybe an accurate take on on what groups are about. So let's do this real quick. Let's define what a group is. And I think we kind of all know really what it is. Obviously, Sunday morning, we come in here, we sit in rows, we hear one person talk. That's one type of meeting. But there's another type of meeting that it talks about in the Bible, and that's the house-to-house. That's where you sit kind of in a smaller group and you face each other, and it's a little bit different. We know that, but I like to go for the kind of the deeper why uh, for groups. So, so this is kind of this, the secret menu definition. You know how when you go into, uh, where is it? Is it, is it In-N-Out? In-N-Out that has the secret menu? And does Torchies have a secret menu? Okay, so this is the, this is the secret menu uh, definition for groups. And this is what it is right here, okay? And you can, you can write it down there. I think there's a few blanks. I don't have a lot of blanks, okay? Not a lot, but there's a couple in there. So groups are an intentional thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. If you don't have notes and pens, the ushers, our wonderful usher team is here to, to, to get those to you. Just raise your hand, give a wave, and they will make sure that you got them, okay? Groups are an intentional thing we do to get something that we desperately need. 
And that thing that we desperately need is actually very, very important. In fact, it's so important that it's written on the walls of this church. And how many of you know that if something's written on the wall, it's got to be pretty darn important, and it's right over here. Did you know there's stuff written on the walls? Okay. I don't know if you know. It, this is really good stuff over here. So just a little, little side tip. Okay, if it ever gets boring during service, just look over and read the walls. There's good stuff over there. It never gets boring, okay? It never gets boring. But just in case it does, I'll see everybody look over there today, I'm sure, okay? So right over here, that second word starts with an R, relationship. Relationship. That's the thing that we desperately, desperately need. In fact, that word is so important that I believe when you describe our faith, when you describe Christianity, this is probably the very first word that I think of to describe it. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and it goes something like this? Well, how do you know that your faith is the correct one or the right way? Or isn't, aren't all religions just kind of the same? You ever been in a conversation like that before? Okay. And, and usually we kind of do the work of the, apolog- the apologists where we try to describe, you know, we go into like historical, uh, um, you know, accuracy, archaeological accuracy, the, the, the first witnesses, the... the um, the Bible, and, and all these different things, which are, which are wonderful and great. But I think that actually this word is the most powerful proof that we have about our faith and sets it above and beyond anything else, and that is that we actually know the guy. We have a friendship with him. I got up this morning, and I talked to him for 30 minutes. That's powerful. I, there's no question about whether he exists or not. I have a friendship with him. It's powerful. It's extremely powerful. In fact, Without relationship, I think we naturally drift into something that is, it's another R word, but it's something that is, that is very, very destructive, and that is the word religion. In fact, without relationship, that's really all we've got. Have you ever run into somebody that they're so angry about people of faith? They have so much hatred in them, so much anger in them, and usually the reason why that they have that is because all they've had is a taste of religion. They haven't had the relationship with the person. Jesus dealt with this a lot. In fact, people came up to him that were supposed to have it right, and they said, Jesus, what is the most important thing we should, we should be about? What are the things that we are supposed to be doing? What is the list? What is the stuff that we've got that makes us right? And he looks at him, and he basically gives him this answer. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What was he saying? He was saying relationship. It's about relationship. In fact, it's not about knowing all the right things. It's about the one person that you need to know, and that is Christ. It's relationship. God is relationships. The reason why we do groups is because of relationship. All right, let's look at a scripture here real quick. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 42, and it kind of sets you up for this. A little bit. This was, uh, you, know, you know, whenever we watch those videos of uh, the whenever one chapel started and we see the videos and everybody laughs because Ross's hair is a little bit different. You know, it's fun to look back at the, at the start of the church, the church plant. Well, this scripture right here actually looks back to the start of the very first church, okay? This is our history. This is the very first church plant. And things were kind of a little bit shaky because Jesus had come down, he had died, he had, he had rose from the dead, and he had ascended to heaven, and they were without him. And I kind of think they might have been in the mode to maybe drift back a little bit into the religion side of things. But then something amazing happened. God sent the Holy Spirit, and it changed everything. And here's where we catch the story up, right here in verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now what I want to do is I want to pull out a word from here that you probably probably miss, but it's this word right here, and I think I've got it right over here so you can see it. And it's this word right here. It's the word awe. You see that? A deep sense of awe came over the people, okay? Now, this is not, now just to define this a little bit, this is not the kind of awe that when you see the cute little kitty on the internet playing the piano, you go, aww. Okay, that's a different kind of awe. This is not the kind of awe that when you ask your 10-year-old to take out the trash, he goes, aww. It's not that kind of awe, okay? But this is the kind of awe, it's actually used in the Bible a lot. It's the same word that's used whenever God, God's power versus Pharaoh and all those wonderful, miraculous things that happened. It's the same word when, like, God's presence filled the temple. It's the same word that's used to describe in the last days we will see his wonderful glory and we will be in awe. It's the same kind of awe whenever they saw Jesus' teaching that was not empty, but it was powerful, and the people were in awe of what he did. It's the same word that's used whenever Jesus delivered a demon-possessed boy and gave him back to his father, and all the people were like, it's that kind of awe. I think we kind of understand this awe pretty well, okay? This is the, the kind of awe when you, you go to the Grand Canyon for the first time and you see it and you're like, oh. This is the kind of awe when, when you go uh, up north there into Canada close to where I live and you see Niagara Falls and you go, oh, at the sheer power of what's there. It's that kind of awe. And I honestly think in our culture and who we are, we understand this kind of awe because we're kind of into bigger Better, faster, stronger, more epic, more greater. That's kind of something that we have. I mean, who gets the most toys? Who's the best? Who has the most followers? Internet famous. Ah, that's kind of who we are, right? Okay? And certainly in this passage, we see that kind of awe. We see miraculous signs and wonders. But I think there is another kind of awe that we don't understand as well that's actually an awe that's a little bit small. And it's this kind of stuff. They met together. They shared. They sold their property and possessions. They shared money with those in need. Worshiped together. Met in homes. They shared their meals. Great joy and generosity. It's an awe that is still awe, but it's an awe that's not all-encompassing, but rather some-encompassing. It's smaller. It's a smaller awe. It's actually be defined as more of like a sum, okay? I don't think we understand that kind of awe. It's the kind of awe when you see your unborn child's sonogram for the first time and you go, it's this kind of awe when you look through a microscope and you see cells and the way things, God has put things together. It's, it's very small, but, you, but it's still, it's It's the kind of awe that that 
that is, is so small that you just almost, it's hard to describe, but it's still an awe. And I kind of think that when we talk about groups, when we talk about relationships, this is the kind of awe that we're going for. It's the small awe. Does that make sense? And I think that when you put them together, you actually get awesome. <laughs> now, I know, really cheesy, right? Okay? But hey, I'm from Missouri. I need it really, really simple, okay? That's just the way it is. But I promise you, you will not forget the small awe. Okay? So what is awesome? What is awesome? Okay, I want to tell you what awesome is. Three things, three simple points. Here we go. Number one, there you know it's awesome is giving. Awesome is giving. What is it? Sowing godly seeds through the context of genuine, authentic relationships. It's the one-to-one give. It's the small give. Mark 4.30 says this. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. It's the small relational all. I believe that the best relationship is not broadcast, but it's the small one-to-one. It's what we do to the least of these, you did it unto him. It's the leaving the 99 and going to the one. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It's the small awe. You know, I had something that happened a couple weeks ago right here with people in this church that I thought was just the coolest example of, of giving, of giving small. And um, uh, Juan, Juan Escrio, who's in my, my Catalyst group, which also, by the way, is a small group, okay, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of small giving. There's a lot of give, give there. And uh, uh, Juan was needing help moving. And so he asked me to come help him move. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll come help you move. So I went to his, his apartment. And, and much to my, my great surprise was there was a lot of people that were there to help him move. Some of the guys that were in our Catalyst group were there. But then also other guys from different groups. I think there was like a couple ushers there. There was somebody from Greeters that was there. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool the way that the body of Christ comes together and helps this guy out. It's, it's a small give. It's not going to make the front page of a, of a paper, but it's, but it's an awe, and it's cool. And they were so blessed. We helped them move, and it was easy. We had it done like in an hour and a half, which was, was a miracle in itself, okay? And so we're all sitting around and, and kind of talking, enjoying this, and, and I'm like, man, this is, this is fun. This is the body of Christ, you know, really giving. And then um, Bob Garrett, who, who I also uh, know from another group, uh, Bob said, hey, let me show you guys a testimony about, about when I volunteered over at the, the boys' home and how I got to share with this young man about Christ. And he was sharing this story about, about this, this young man, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's the give, how he sowed into that one, one guy. And, and I was really excited because he had actually asked me to pray about that situation earlier, and I felt like, oh, man, I got to, I got to sow a seed of prayer you know, into that. And come to find out, some of the other people had too. Like, they had been praying. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I see how this little relational web works here. And then we're all sitting there kind of laughing. And, and uh, I think I actually have a picture of, of the, the people in this group. You can, you can put that up there. And then we're, we're all sitting there. And then, and then Gino, this, this happy man right here in the middle, which many of you know Gino, he serves us coffee from uh, every once in a while. And, and uh, you know, we, 
Gino started talking, just sharing, and, and we were saying, man, Gino, you just look so much better than you did when you came here a year ago. And, and he's like, oh, man, God has done so much in my life because he's been very, very involved in, in small groups and in Catalyst and different things that God has done through his life. And he just looks different. He just looks so bright and happy. And, 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 and Gino was just sharing his testimony about what God had done in his life. And I'm like, man, this is so cool. And I said, Gino, so how did you, how did you find one chapel? And he started sharing this story that kind of blew me away. He said, well, I was wanting to buy a bike. And I looked in the paper and I saw this ad for a bike, and I'm like, oh, that's exactly the kind I want. And he called the person, and he met with the person, and the person was Christy Morrow, who goes to this church. And he goes to buy the bike from Christy, and he says, yeah, she just started praying for me. As I went to go buy this bike, and it kind of blew me away, but I felt something, the presence of God or something, and so I came to church. And I'm like, that is amazing. That is a great example of the give. One small seed, one small act of obedience, one small relationship. And it's like, it's like our own little version of six degrees of separation, one chapel style. And this little relational web that, that mixed in here. That is awesome. And it was all very small giving. One little seed at a time. Okay? Awesome is giving. Number two, Awesome is receiving. Awesome is receiving. Now, that sounds really easy to receive. However, I think it's actually very, very hard to receive. And the reason why is because everyone, because of past hurts and pains and experience, builds up walls that make it very, very hard to receive from other people. There's a really cool story in the Bible that you may or may, may not know. We all know King David. We kind of know his story, but there's one little hidden piece to his story that a lot of people don't know, is that after he became king, and he's sitting in his palace, and all of his, Saul, who was his enemy and was the king before, you know, God took him out, and that was all done, and, and he's sitting enjoying his kingdom, and he remembers his best friend, Jonathan, from way, way back when. And Jonathan's already, already dead and gone, but he remembers the close friendship that they had, the tightness, the, the one-to-one that they had. And he starts remembering, man, that was so good. That was such a good friend. I love that man so much. And he thought, Jonathan's gone, but is there anybody, is there any relatives of Jonathan that are left out there that I could show some kindness to? And they, a search goes out, and they, and they say, yeah, there's one guy that's left that was related in his name. He's got a funny name. It's Mephibosheth. And, uh, and he goes, you know what? Go get that guy and bring him to me. So they went to get Mephibosheth. And can you imagine Mephibosheth when they go to get him and say, hey, the king wants to see you. Now, the thing you've got to remember from his point of view, Mephibosheth was probably a little freaked out because, yes, he was a relative of Jonathan, but he was also a relative of Saul, who was the enemy in the outgoing administration. So he probably thought, oh, my gosh, this is my time. They found me. They're going to kill me, and they're going to wipe me out. Now, to make matters worse, Mephibosheth, it says that he was lame. He was handicapped, a little bit different in that day, probably considered maybe useless by the standard of the world at that time. And he probably thought, there's two strikes against me. I'm either going to jail or I'm going to my death. But he, did went, he went with him, went to the king's palace, and much to his surprise, he got the surprise of his life, is he got the side effect of the friendship that David and his relative, Jonathan, had. And David said, you will eat from the king's table, and you will have everything you need. Oh, my gosh. All he has to do is receive it. 
Can you imagine the shock that this guy felt? Now, that's a cool story, and it's a cool story of receiving, but the thing that's deep about that is I think that Mephibosheth is, is like you and I. We're just like him. We're from the wrong family. We're from the, uh, because of our sin, because of our separation, we are lame and we are helpless without ourselves. But God, in his mercy, has given us something that we can't do anything about. We only have to receive, and that is eternal salvation. Okay? We are Mephibosheth. We just have to receive it. Think about this. We try so hard to make ourselves. We try so hard to build ourselves up to be something. But the best things you have, you have nothing to do with. Your birth, I know, shocker, you didn't have anything to do with that. You're here. That was a blessing from God. Okay? And then the second best thing we have is eternal life, is rebirth. And that's from God. There's nothing you can do. You have to receive it. I think the, one of the greatest pictures of what a group is, is like this. It's like you come to a group of friends, and those shields that we carry, those walls that we have, the swords that we carry with us, we bring those, and we slowly learn how to put those down and lay that sword on the table and lay that shield on the table. And when we do that, then we're able to give, then we're able to receive. And then the healing comes, and God begins to place his identity in us and begins to change us. Now, that is very powerful, and it is awesome, okay? The thing about it is it's very risky, too, because we're so accustomed to be, when we put those things down, oh, my gosh, what does somebody know? But I'm going to tell you this. Use Jesus as an example. He still picked Judas to be in his group. He still did it. Now, I don't know if he knew or not. I kind of think he did because he was God, but he still did it, okay? It is worth the risk. Years ago, uh, Karen and I were leading a small group in our home, and it was actually a group of people that were training to be small group leaders. And we had gone through this the, uh, the summer, and we were getting ready to launch them so that they could all start a small group of their own. And I was really, really excited, and, and one of the couples called me that day, it was our last meeting, and they said, Andrew, something terrible has happened, we cannot lead a small group. And they began to describe how their, their, um, their, their young adult son had just made a horrible, uncharacteristic mistake. He'd been arrested for a, a really bad decision, and he had a job lined up, he had some schooling lined up, and that was all gone away. And this family was devastated. And, and I, I listened to them on the phone. I said, hey, guys, you know what? If you don't want to lead a group, no problem. But why don't you still come tonight just because it's the last time? And they're like, okay, we'll come. Okay, so they came. They showed up at our house. And you could tell when they walked in, they walked in like the walls were there. Everything that we had worked on to build down, they were back up because of the pain. And they walked in, and we, we were sitting around. And somebody else was in charge of doing the icebreaker. And the icebreaker that somebody, nobody else knew about their situation but me. And somebody said, well, hey, share of a time that was really, really tough and how God helped you through it. That was the icebreaker. And I thought, okay, this is a setup right here. And so people started going around, and it got to them. And they tried their best to keep that shield up and their wall up. And at one point, they just stopped and said, guys, this has been the worst day of our life. And they let it all out. And they began to share what had happened. And I was so amazed at the people in that room, the grace that rose up and the love that came out. And the small giving and the small awe receiving that happened in that place, it was one of the most miraculous things I've ever seen. And that couple walked out of my house, and I remember, I will never forget their faces as they walked out the door. I said, 
guys, I love you. And they looked at me and they said, and by the way, we are doing our group. We cannot live without this. It was the coolest thing in the world, okay? Yeah. Yeah, we can clap for that. Yes. Yeah. Final point, number three. Awesome is giving. Awesome is receiving. Final thing, awesome is belonging. You need a crew. You need a tribe. You need a squad. You need a family. You need a group of people, a unified team of friends to do life with. And when you find it, it is awesome. I'm going to tell you a true story that happened to me many years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. Fall 1987, Pleasantly Junior High School. They used to call them junior high. They call them middle school now. Junior high school, Lee Summit, Missouri. Group, 78th grade boys. I can see it. Polyester gym shorts. Shockingly short. (laughs) Just shockingly. Okay? Long tube socks pulled all the way up. Okay? Right here. 70, 80 awkward 8th grade boys sitting in a gym class. Huge gym class. Coach gets up and he goes, all right, boys, we're going to call out some names. When I call your name, come to the locker room. So they start calling out the names. They call out names of eight boys, seven or eight. And the last one, Fortner. And I jumped up and I was like, whoa, am I in trouble? And started, started going to the, to the locker room. And, and as I was trotting off to the locker room, the seven guys in front of me, I noticed that these were all the guys that were in athletics. And I'm thinking, I'm the guy in orchestra. I'm not in athletics. What am I going in here for? Okay. So we're trotting off to the locker room. We go in there, he sits us down, we sit down, and there's a chalkboard. Yes, they did use chalkboards at one time. And every name of, of all the guys in the gym class were written up on the board. Coach goes, all right, boys, the next month, we're going to make you men. We're going to do a football unit, and you guys are the team captains. And today is our draft. Pick one name off the board, start with you. And so just like in real life, they started picking the names, and the top athletes start coming off the board. As they go down. And I'm sitting here kind of in shock that I'm actually there. Okay? I'm thinking, why did they pick me to be a team captain? And, and I'm seeing what's happening here. It's the, it's the thing that we all face whenever we're in elementary school. And you get picked last for the team and it's a horrible feeling. Okay? But this time it's just in private and it's, it's serious because it's football unit. Okay? And so they're picking number one draft picks. They're going off the board. And it comes to me and something came over me. And I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to pick my friends. And so... Fortner, your turn. I go, uh, Jeff Duncan. And all those guys went, <laughs> Now, the reason why they did that was not that they were shot because I got a top five, top one draft pick. They were shocked because Jeff Duncan was famous for his extensive collection of Star Wars toys. Okay? <laughs> And he was, he was one of my best friends. He was one of the first kids I met in kindergarten. I had been over to his house many times to play with his life-size Death Star model and, and Millennium Falcon. It was awesome. That kid had everything. He's probably a millionaire today with all those toys, <laughs> I would imagine, okay? Okay, so then it goes, and then start going to round two, and they start picking, picking people off the board. And it comes to me, and I said, my, my second pick was Andrew Robinson. And everybody went, whoo, and they laughed. And the reason why they laughed is Andrew Robinson on a good day weighed maybe 80 pounds, <laughs> had s- incredibly thick glasses, and I'm pretty sure he was captain of the chess team, okay? <laughs> All right, so it goes to round three. They start picking guys on the board. It comes down to me again, and, and for my third round, I said Justin Gates. 
and everybody just started laughing because they saw what I was doing. And the reason why they laughed at Justin Gates, now Justin was a big guy, but he was not the kind of big that is great in football. He was the kind of big that for years everybody had made fun of him over and over and over again. But he was my friend because we were the only ones that would let him sit at our table for lunch. So I was forming my team of friends. So we did that, and, and so you, you get the picture of what my team looked like, right? You got it? Have you ever heard of that show or seen that show called uh, The Big Bang Theory? Have you ever heard of that? Okay, imagine those guys in eighth grade. That was my team, okay? And I remember as we went out to the, to the, to the, uh, the gym, the coaches were laughing. They go, Fortner, you're not going to win a game, but you have the highest grade point average of anybody in here on your team, I'm sure. <laughs> and you know what? They were right. <laughs> they were right about that. And so we go out there, and sure enough, we go to the season. We start doing the season. And first game, I mean, these guys, I, I don't know if they'd ever watched a game of football before. They didn't know what a down was, okay? So we lost every single game. We were losing, losing, losing. But, man, we were friends, and we were having fun. And they were just happy that they got to be with their friends, okay? And we got to the very last game of our football unit. And it just so happens that the very last game we were playing, we were the team that hadn't won anything. We were playing the team that up to that point had won everything. This was the team that had all of the guys that actually were in football on that team. And I can see it like yesterday. They walked up to the line with this cocky John Elway dumb look on their face. Man, were they cocky. And they came up, and I thought, oh, we're going to die. And I look back at my nerd team awesome, and there was something that happened to those guys that day that I will never forget. They had a fire in them like I have never seen in my life. And when that game started, Jeff Duncan grabbed that ball, and he ran like a tauntaun to the outer rim <laughs> through those guys. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And Andrew Robinson was back there with his... With his uh, Chess skills, calculating schemes that would make Vince Lombardi happy. And Justin Gates, that big guy, turned into a steamroller. I mean, there was blood, there was sweat, there was mud, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And when it got to the end of that gym class, we had beat those guys. We won. And I can see those awkward boys jumping up and high-fiving and hugging, and they were so happy. It was the first athletic thing they had ever won in their life, and I'm pretty sure it's probably the last. <laughs> the power of a unified team is awesome. Everybody needs a place where they can belong. Now, we're going to do Group Sunday today, and, and groups, we, we, need, we need some awesome we need some awesome. We need this kind of stuff. Now, I want to tell you guys this. We've got a serious problem in our city. We had read an article the other day that in Austin, 60% of people polled said that they are lonely. Six, that's actually higher here than it is anywhere else, okay? And that's the reason why we do groups. People need a team. People need friends. And guess what? We can do it. We can provide that for them. We can give them a team. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, though, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A, three, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The question is not, do we have enough more people doing big? The question is, we need a lot more people going small. And no matter who you are, you can do it, all right?
Could you guys bow your hearts with me and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you that you are the God of all, but you are also the God of one. And a friendship with you is something that we can have. And it is awesome. And God, as we do our, our, our small group rally today and as we meet some people and decide how we want to connect, God, I pray that you'd make unified teams of friends where awesome stuff happens, where lives are changed, where healing begins, where hope is restored, where dreams are spoken out, and where you are honored and glorified. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. In Christ's name we pray.